And thanks for the welcome to be with you again today. Uh, I was just a little taken aback on the order of service where it has message. There's a whole string of question marks. And I'm not sure whether that was a comment on the fact that nobody got the title of my message or whether it was something to do about what's Chris got to say this morning. But it's good to be here. And the title of the message, I hope, fits in with the theme that you've been dealing with conversations with Jesus and and the title that I've sort of put is an unexpected conversation. Now in some ways unexpected is not the right word now that I think about it but a conversation which heads in an unexpected direction is probably more helpful. For those of you who don't know me I'm uh, Chris Barnden from the Baptist Union of Victoria of which Freeway is a constituent member, one of 241, I think, churches and fellowships around our state. And uh, my role is as a regional pastor, so uh, to support our pastors and to support our churches as they go about the business of sharing the great news of Jesus with those who don't know him in your communities, wherever they are. Some of you may not be aware that of those 240 or so churches and faith communities, around 80, 30% are worshipping today in languages other than English. So we are multicultural, multilingual and multi-ethnic. What a great picture of the kingdom of God. And we want to see that grow and develop in all of its variety and richness through the ministries of each particular church and each particular member of the church communities. Some years ago, my wife and I lived in Bangladesh. We were workers with what is today known as Global Interaction, our Baptist cross-cultural mission agency. Marion knows because Marion used to write to us uh, while we were in Bangladesh. But when we lived in Bangladesh... uh, we were often invited to the homes of local people for a meal. These invitations would come from people who knew us, who were our friends, or, or they worked for us. In both cases, hospitality was really important as an expression of our relationship. But sometimes I was invited by people with whom I'd had a conversation and they wanted to check me out further, either because they were curious about who I was and why I was there, curious about what this Westerner was doing in an Eastern country, curious about something that I'd said, or because they wanted a job. During these times of conversation, the doors of the house were never closed, particularly in village communities. Neighbours could wander in and out and sit on the bed and watch us eat. Wow! Foreigners can eat with their hands as well. Or sometimes they'd participate in the conversation that was going on. Perhaps a local beggar, having heard that there was a foreigner in the house, would come and poke his or her head in, wondering if something would come their way. So the setting of our reading today is is not unfamiliar. Simon who Luke tells us in the first few verses is a Pharisee, was clearly curious about Jesus. The Pharisees had not yet determined that Jesus and his teaching and his his actions were unacceptable 
although they had questioned him on numerous occasions up until now. So perhaps Simon wanted to know for himself just who this Jesus was. I mean, he speaks like a prophet. He lives in the itinerant style of a prophet, if you read the the first verses in chapter 8. But is he a genuine prophet? His teaching is powerful, but he mixes with debt collectors and streetwalkers and their type. Simon invites Jesus for a meal and a conversation with a few like-minded friends as we find out at the end of the reading, male friends. And as Luke later points out for us, though he's invited Jesus for a meal and for conversation, it seems that Simon doesn't think too highly of Jesus offering the most cursory of hospitality. But Jesus graciously accepts the invitation. Though Jesus may well have differences with Simon and his legalistic colleagues, Jesus is at home with anyone. And so he's seated at Simon's table, or more accurately, they tell us, reclining at Simon's table. Then, into the nibbles and the conversation comes a woman, and and not just any woman. Luke says she was an immoral woman from that city. Now, nobody really knows what is meant by that. Some have said she was a prostitute, but there's nothing specific in the text to say that. But she was a woman, obviously, of ill repute. Perhaps she's described as living a sinful life simply because she's not up to appropriate community standards of decency and goodness. Not like Simon and his colleagues who know exactly what the law requires of people to be good and righteous. After all, Simon and his fellow Pharisees are the experts on good behaviour and decency, living a good life, doing the right thing. Simon would have admitted he was a sinner, but saw it as a sort of a legal transaction with God. You know, Simon would do the right things, the sacrifices and the tithes, and, and God would do his bit and forgive as he was supposed to. So what a shock Simon gets when this woman appears and falls all over Jesus, letting her hair down, something decent women never did, kissing his feet. And feet in the east are not things to be kissed, let me tell you. But kissing his feet and and pouring really expensive ointment all over him. And Jesus just allows her to do it. Simon has a a little talk with himself, perhaps confirming his suspicions about Jesus in the first place. If this guy really was a prophet, he'd be perceptive enough, he'd be smart enough to know what sort of woman this is who's touching him. If he knew, he wouldn't let this woman near him with a barge pole, let alone touch him. This woman is a sinner. And prophets are all about exposing and naming and denouncing sin. If Jesus really was a prophet, he'd know what to say and and how to deal with a sinner like this. 
But as Simon is snorting smugly to himself, Jesus continues the conversation, telling him a story. A story about two people who owed debts, yet who were forgiven their debts. One owed a small amount, which was forgiven, and the other owed a spectacularly large amount, which was also forgiven. Now think, Simon, which of these two who were forgiven would have been the more grateful? Well, of course, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that the one who was forgiven the greater debt is the one who would be more pleased, more grateful. And then this conversation, which Simon had expected to be all about Jesus, which then turned into a conversation about the woman, has suddenly taken a bit of an unexpected turn. This conversation is now aimed at him. Just when he thought he had the moral high ground, he's being shown up by being compared to this woman as being less of a host than her, despite her awful reputation and the complete spectacle she was making of herself. Simon, who is so good, so decent, so righteous, that he has little for which to be forgiven, simply doesn't see it. Obviously, Simon has never known the heartbreak of ravaging sin in his life. Sin which ruins life and destroys happiness and consequently, Simon has never experienced the wonder of God's undeserved, unmerited forgiveness and gracious acceptance. This conversation in which Simon thought he had all the power has suddenly shifted. Jesus has the power the power of grace towards a person who has obviously ruined her life but was now shown another way, a way out, a way up. Obviously this woman had encountered Jesus at some previous time and had found in him not only something which convicted her of the wrongness of her sin and Jesus knew her sin but also found in Jesus grace complete acceptance, forgiveness, no condemnation and cleansing from her sin. Isn't it interesting that Simon's sense of grace and forgiveness doesn't extend to a woman like this? It's apparent that Simon cares nothing for this woman. And certainly doesn't think she deserves such gracious treatment. And, and the conversation continues. It's, it's fascinating. Then he, Jesus, turned to the woman and said to Simon, turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. In the NIV and, and the, the message, it says, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Not just visually perceive, 
But do you see? Look at this woman. Simon, do you see this woman? Yes, of course, I see her. Everybody knows her. She's the prostitute, if we think that's what it is. She's from down on the corner. Don't think I invited her to come here. Simon reveals what sort of person he is. He wasn't really curious to hear about the word of God. He knew it already. He knew who belonged and who didn't. He knew who was in and who wasn't. He'd already classified Jesus in his mind according to his own assumptions. No, no surprises. No sense of gratitude, no anticipation, therefore not much hospitality. Then there is the woman. The woman with the sinful life, an outsider on both counts. She, however, is extravagant in her hospitality, in her welcome and reception of Jesus. Simon has pretty quickly lost interest in this conversation. Isn't it interesting how we like to sum up people with with a glance without knowing anything else other than what our eyes perceive? We make assumptions about people and then base our attitude to them on those assumptions. We make value judgments about certain individuals, perhaps by a story that we hear about them. Or something we see them do. Something we hear them say. Or just the way they look. And in our minds they're forever condemned. Classified accordingly. Whether or not our assumptions are true. And then it takes a conversation with Jesus. Simon Do you see this woman? Well, not really. I prefer not to see people like that. Because I know what they're like. Have you noticed how we don't really see those people we don't really want to see? The the outsiders, those who look different, those with a past, those who are not like us, or those about whom we've heard some story and we choose to believe it, whether or not it's the truth. Sadly, it happens in the church. And sadly, it happens too often. So busy welcoming each other and talking to each other, we just don't see those who are outside the circle. Simon, do you see this woman? What did, what did Simon see? He saw a woman with a past and an equally distasteful present. A reputation which immediately cut her off from, from grace or from any consideration by him. But what did Simon not see? He didn't see a person who is dearly, desperately loved by God. 
is infinitely precious to God. He didn't see a repentant person who's discovered the wonderful grace and forgiveness of God in the person of Jesus and whose gratitude so overflows that she has to show it in some tangible way. Simon doesn't see someone who has an opportunity to be forgiven an opportunity to change, an opportunity to turn her life around and to be made new in God's grace. Simon doesn't see that in the teacher Jesus, God is doing something new, made evident by the grateful, weeping woman before him. Simon, do you see this woman Simon sees, but he doesn't see. And there the conversation with Simon ends. But what about Jesus' conversation with us? How does that conversation go? What is Jesus saying to us. At our BUV, the, the tag for this year is Together on Mission. And we are looking for ways to support our churches, work together with our churches, bring churches and communities together to be on mission together. Because as we discovered last year, we're better together. And we can talk about resourcing for mission and programs for mission. But mission actually begins with you and me. Individuals being able to see. To see those around us. Those for whom Jesus died. Seeing individuals in our daily worlds who don't know that God loves them, who don't know that God wants to set them free from life's burdens. Do you see that woman, that man, that family? See, mission begins with learning to see. May God help us to see as he sees. Join me as we pray. Perhaps in this moment, you're already in a conversation with Jesus. There's someone's face in your mind. Someone you've seen, someone you've encountered. And you didn't act when you had the opportunity. You didn't say anything when the chance was presented. Perhaps you just didn't see at the time. Loving God, thank you for this encounter. And for these characters. Sometimes, Lord, we confess we are Simon content in our own goodness, content in our own relationship with you. And we just don't see. 
we don't see those on the outside, those who are yet to hear and receive this life-transforming news. Loving God, sometimes we are that woman in a desperate state, knowing we're in a mess, yet seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus who loves us, who welcomes us, seeing Jesus who paid the penalty to set us free and to bring us new life and new hope, Loving God, help us to see in Jesus' name. Amen.